0: AOA is brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and
1: ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag
2: Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Busy show coming up today. We're going to take a look at U.S.-China relations, some tension there, obviously. Uh, how could this impact uh, our ag trade with China? We're going to talk with Doug Barry with the U.S.-China Business Council, and we'll talk with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation about those issues. And we have a market talk today. We're going to talk with Todd Holtman, lead analyst for DTN, his thoughts on the markets as we go into the uh, final month of the year. So that's coming up on our program. But as we've talked about uh, this is an extremely busy time. A lot of uh, important decisions to be made in Washington D.C. Congress has some deadlines they're looking at on a lot of spending issues. Here with an update for us is Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. So they've been pushing all this stuff back into December and here we go. It's a a busy busy schedule they have in a condensed amount of time to get it done.
3: Well,
4: that's right, and of course, Congress likes to go home for Christmas and New Year's. Uh, So we're expecting the next, uh, really, the next two to three weeks to be really, really busy. Uh, There are three big issues on the agenda. Um, The first one is uh, to pass a continuing resolution to, you know, to continue government funding because they haven't gotten the appropriations bills done. Uh, The the current uh, CR, as we call it, would expire Friday. There doesn't seem to be any appetite in either party for closing down the government, so it looks like they'll do something by then and uh, probably extend into January. Now, with that off the table, then that gives them uh, an opportunity to consider whether they need to raise the debt ceiling uh, before the end of the year. I think the official government view is that the government has enough money until December 15th and then would run into some trouble. Uh, But there are some private estimates that think that could go into January or February also. Uh, And finally, there's the Build Back Better Act. This big piece of legislation, the $1.75 trillion bill that the House did pass before uh, the, the Thanksgiving break, And uh, that, of course, has some provisions in it for agriculture, especially for agricultural research uh, and uh, rural development uh, and some biofuels provisions that the biofuels industry really wants. So that's that's what we're working on for this month.
0: Yeah, they kind of operate on don't do anything till you have to. Right. I mean, everything works on deadlines and and any deadline you can extend or push back. They do that as well, except, as you said, going home for the holidays.
4: Right. Well the reason that, the reason why they these things always get pushed up to a deadline is that people want to keep on negotiating as long as possible. There's something that people want. They want it in, they want it out of the legislation. Uh, it's like a lot of things in life you uh, you know, you don't make the decision until you uh, until you have to. It's probably not the best way to govern, but that's the way the system works.
0: So a, a wrinkle now on this build back better plan as um, there's still Reservations by some in the Senate, including, of course, uh, Senator Manchin. Uh, but now they're looking at the CBO scoring. I understand a lot of that in there needs to be spent and done in a ten-year period, and there are questions of whether the way it's set up right now that would be done or not.
1: Uh,
4: well, yes, uh, we still, you know, we still don't, still don't have satisfactory CBO scores, uh, and I'm sure, and you know. The the problem in reporting about this is that all the negotiating and consideration of this does really go on behind the scenes. None of it is being done in, in let's say, in an open uh, committee here, uh, committee meeting, or uh, much less in a conference with the House. So um, it's it's just kind of hard to do to know what they're going to do until something leaks out. But then every once in a while you get a you know you get a little. Piece of information, um, for example, that there are some prescription drug uh, provisions in there that now Senator Cinema supports. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Now the the Senate is supposedly going to take up this uh, BBB bill next week. We'll have to see how that goes if they get there. Senator Manchin's still being very cautious about it, but you know, uh, at some point. There will be action or no action, and it won't go on forever.
0: Still, debate on the size of it, the amount, right? I mean, there are efforts by some to, to whittle that number down. Still, some.
4: Well, yes, the the, but there is now more talk about the provisions. For example, should there be family leave in the bill, or should there not? Should there not be? Um, you know, what about uh, uh, child care? Uh, provisions uh, that would help parents who uh, who you know don't have daycare, uh, or uh, these you know these provisions are being discussed. Fortunately, I'd say I don't see any controversies about the agriculture provisions. I think that they're pretty much set, so uh, we're not having a, a debate over that uh, at least at the present time.
0: So we'll see what happens. Speaking of deadlines as we were, today's really the day that EPA is supposed to uh, issue the RVO levels under the RFS. Uh, they set the amounts of uh, biofuels that are required to be blended under the RFS. doesn't look like they're going to meet that as we've kind of been in, as they have indicated. They're going to delay that, and who knows when they're going to get that announcement
4: out. That's right. I I've given up trying to estimate when the EPA will actually uh, enter the um, – will, will put out those RVO levels. Uh, you know, uh, it's actually been years in which they've been missing these deadlines, and it hasn't mattered which administration was in power. They just have a very hard time uh, doing this, and the basic issue is the conflict between the ethanol industry and the oil industry and uh each administration uh finds it difficult to try to satisfy both industries so uh i'll just wait till i see it and then suddenly magically almost it will pop up in my email
0: and you're right both parties have done this basically they've not followed the law the law says get those out by november 30th and they're they're not they're not following the law. All right, uh, quickly, what you, what are you hearing on the plans for waters of the U.S. that's going back to the pre-2015 rule?
4: Uh, well, they're going back to the pre-2015 rule, but then they're also ha- <clears throat> having these meetings to try to figure out what to do, uh, you know, in the future uh, to 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 try to resolve this. The administration says it wants, you know, it wants a resolution once and for all, but whether or not you could, satisfy people on that I don't know most likely there would be you know you'll end up whatever they finally put out you'll end up with more court challenges so it just goes on and on and on
0: yeah the lawyers will be the big winners it looks like once again on that one all right Jerry as always thanks a lot and we'll stay in touch and see what happens on these spending plans thank you very much
4: you're well you're welcome hopefully by next week we'll actually have some action on something
0: yeah, maybe we'll have some answers. Okay, thanks. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. All right, with the tensions between the U.S. and China, what does that mean for our trade with China, agricultural trade? We're going to talk with Doug Barry with the U.S.-China Business Council about that next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their Spray Early Weed Control Guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system. See
5: program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com.
2: Guarantee is subject to program restrictions.
6: Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
0: Join us every Tuesday for a Round the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. As you wrap up Harvest and prepare for the 2022
1: season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstead and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at DTN.com backslash Ag Summit.
0: AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to
0: know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, amid some growing tensions between the U.S. and China, we're starting to see some... um, early signs of the approach the Biden administration wants to take towards uh, relations with China and, and trade in particular. We see uh, U.S. Trade Representative Tai working on uh, building kind of a coalition uh, to work on this issue with the U.S. Let's talk about it with Doug Barry, Senior Director of Communications for the U.S.-China Business Council. Doug, good to talk with you again. What are your thoughts on this approach that we're starting to see from the Biden administration?
2: Well, it's a mixed picture, Mike, for sure. Uh, We were hoping that there would be different results from the meeting of the two presidents uh, three weeks ago. Uh, We were hoping that there would be some announcement about the tariffs and hopefully lifting them either immediately or gradually over a period of time. China would do the same. That didn't happen. So there are a couple of very modest uh, takeaways from that meeting uh, and the promise of more discussions uh, to come but there really wasn't much uh, that we would call uh, concrete takeaways. The big looming issue now is, of course, what happens with the phase one agreement that has provided an opportunity for U.S. farmers to uh, ship their uh, products uh, into China at uh, competitive tariff rates, not the excessive ones that have been slapped on by the previous administration and which uh, uh, China responded to. So those that agreement expires uh, in January and there's nothing right now uh, to replace it. Supposedly they're talking. Uh, Ambassador Tai has been speaking to her uh, counterpart uh, in China about uh, finishing up phase one and, and seeing if China will meet its purchase commitments. On the agriculture side, uh, China continues to import substantial uh, amounts of agricultural uh, products from the United States, Uh, that's a good thing. And it appears to be market demand driven uh, rather than a specific set of purchase uh, commitments that China has made. So that's good, but it's not good if there's nothing to replace uh, phase one in January.
0: Yeah, it seems like they have bought just based on their need, not because they're trying to fulfill phase one trade commitments.
2: That is correct, and and that's important going forward because it means that uh, uh, they will continue to need, to require uh, large amounts of soybeans, wheat, uh, pork, beef, uh, and and it's all about demand. Uh, Chinese New Year's coming up in January, we'll see a spike in import of uh, pork and and various products. All of that is good, and it suggests that. If we can find a way around the current tensions uh, and we can keep the tariff exclusions in place for U.S. agricultural products, uh, 2022
0: should be a pretty good year for U.S. farmers. We're talking with Doug Berry with the U.S.-China Business Council. So what do you think about this approach? We're hearing about uh, Trade Representative Tai working with um, other countries, trying to build some kind of alliance. Is that to put pressure on China or how do you see this playing out?
2: Yes, uh, that, that is part of the emerging uh, policy, the new policy towards China that the Biden administration has developed. And uh, certainly we're not going to get very far uh, with China in terms of their market opening uh, and a- allowing U.S. companies to compete in sectors that are off limits right now. Uh, and also to address uh, other Chinese behavior that has little to do with trade, but a lot to do with geopolitics, such as what's going on in Taiwan, uh, and uh, with human rights and Hong Kong issue. Um, These are are all very complex things that are muddying the picture in terms of the way forward. So uh, getting together with allies to the extent it's possible to do, Uh, And not all the allies are on the same page with the United States, and not all of them welcome the choice that we're giving them, which is to choose between following China's lead or following our lead. Uh, But it does make sense to have a united approach, especially since the world order uh, post-World War II is largely built by the United States on the basis of uh, democratic uh, free market principles, and China is going in a different direction. So to get China to make the concessions we feel that it needs to make, particularly the market opening and liberalization of the market, then we're going to need the European Union and other allies to join us in putting pressure on them to do that. The second part of it, which is a very odd uh, situation, is that both uh, political parties, Democrats and Republicans, uh, don't like the idea of the United States joining additional uh, free trade agreements. There's a big one, uh, the, formerly the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership, um, which Biden says he's not going to join. But the Chinese, interestingly enough, have put up their hands and said, let us in. And so if they get in and we're out, it means that uh, the countries that are in will enjoy uh, priority market access among the numbers and we'll be sitting on the sidelines. So so, so you know, the, the argument has always been, Uh, trade agreements have been bad for the United States because they've caused jobs to leave this country and go elsewhere. But that's really not true. Uh, The the jobs that have been lost in many cases were low-wage ones that we wouldn't have been able to keep anyway or would have been replaced by robots. Uh, And far more jobs, good jobs, have been created as a result of our participation in the free trade agreements that we're in uh, than have been lost. So somehow we have to get uh, attention of the policy people and our congressional representatives and get them to realize that it's it would be foolish uh, of us to sit on the sidelines while China joins our allies in their own free trade agreement, and, and we're left out.
0: Yeah, that's interesting uh, how that could play out. I mean, we're trying to put pressure on China, but if they join that trade deal and we don't, then the pressure comes back onto the united states right i mean it turns around exactly and then
2: we w- we will find that our products are tariffed uh, at a much higher rate than the participants in the free, de- free trade agreement in- include some of our competitors uh, that are also selling agricultural products to to these markets and in particular to uh, china and it puts us in a in an untenable Uncompetitive situation. And remember that last year, about uh, 64% of all congressional districts, many of them in farm country, uh, showed uh, about an 18% growth in exports to China over the previous year. So, you know, we're talking about um, each of those districts, 64% of them in the United States, uh, had increases of exports to China of over a hundred million dollars. So the trade is good. The demand is strong. And we need to convey to our representatives in Washington that reality, that the relationship is good and we need to put it on a better footing. And uh, they need to support us in doing that.
0: And isn't what happens with Taiwan, isn't that the wild card? I mean, you can make all kinds of plans, but if if they move on Taiwan, uh, everything's up in the air at that point of what happens from then on, right?
2: Well, that's right. I mean, there won't be any trade Uh, if there's armed conflict in that region. uh, Forget about business. uh, Forget about phase one, phase two or phase anything. Uh, It's going to phase out rather quickly. Uh, And and a lot of people are concerned uh, that there is a uh, growing. It's a tinderbox in that region and a mistake by one side or the other could lead to a very, very bad situation taking place. And what is the policy? Uh, the Biden administration, in fact, President Biden told President Xi Jinping of China during their meeting that uh, you know the the one country, uh, two systems uh, practice is still part of the US policy. But then afterwards, uh, there's all these different congressional delegations going to Taiwan, uh, they're being invited to these democratic uh, conferences and so forth. And it's sort of a poke in the eye uh, to the Chinese, and it, it's maybe unnecessarily uh, you know, uh, stirring the pot. And we have to find a way to talk about trade separately and then talk about the other issues that we disagree with in a way that allows us some breathing room so that we can make some progress
0: on those areas where we do have common interests. And that's not happening right now. Man, yeah, there's a lot on the line, that's for sure. Doug, always good to get your perspective. Thanks for being with us. It's a pleasure. Take care. Doug Barry with the U.S.-China Business Council. So there's a lot at stake here for sure, and a lot of it centers on what happens with China and their actions uh, with, towards uh, Taiwan. We'll wait and see. Meanwhile, we're starting to see the strategy the Biden administration is trying to put in place on this. We'll talk more about it with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation a little bit later on in the program. But coming up next, we'll talk markets. Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst, joins us next with some market outlook. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. A O A is brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022
1: season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at DTN.com/Ag Summit.
5: Seed corn companies love to talk about characteristics, maturity, emergence, vigor. Those things are important, but at F.S. Envision, we've developed corn with some extra characteristics, like
0: attitude, like a fighter's will to win, like the spirit to persevere. Because in the end, those are the traits that get it done. Get Envision in the fight for you. Talk to your local F.S. crop specialist today. F.S. Envision,
6: never settle.
7: You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. The USDA reported 30.2 million bushels of corn was inspected for export during the past week, up from the previous week. Cumulative inspections are down 17 percent from one year ago. At a time when the USDA is forecasting exports to fall by nine percent year over year, on the board of trade this morning, December corn trading 11 and a fraction lower at 569 and three quarters. The March contract down 12 at 570 and a fraction of a cent. For Soybeans: The January contract down 13 and a half cent at 12.28 and a quarter of a cent. The March contract down 14 and a fraction at 12.37 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat December down 22 at 7.85 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat December down 17 at 8.37. Minneapolis spring wheat December down seven and a fraction at 10.35. The March contract down 14 and a fraction at 10.31. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning. It is possible that we you may see a little scattered trade develop at some point today, but tomorrow seems more likely for significant trade volume. Asking prices are around $143 to $145 in the south, but not yet established in the north. Beef cutouts are expected to be lower with light to moderate box movement. Looking at live cattle futures, the December contract down 37 at 136.55. The February contract down 40 at 138.90. For feeder cattle, January up a dollar two at 166.82. The March contract trading 87 cents higher at 167.50. For lean hogs, the February contract 87 cents lower at 80.05. The April contract down 72 at 85.17. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 121 points. The Nasdaq Composite up 198, the S&P 500 up 42, the U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA, I'm
6: Kirsten Rall. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed.
3: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual
6: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
0: AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know.
2: On AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right,
0: we're going to talk markets now with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman, who is in my neck of the woods in my backyard. You're in Peoria, Illinois, right, for the Greater Peoria Farm Show.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here and uh, looking forward to a good few days of uh, speaking to to uh, your listeners.
0: And then you're headed to Chicago, right, for the uh, DTN Ag Summit coming up Sunday, Monday, Tuesday.
3: Yes, exactly. That's our big event every year. We like to get uh, together with our customers face to face in person. We have all kinds of learning opportunities, breakout sessions. We bring in uh, big speakers uh, for uh, all kinds of good talks. This year we have Terry Branstead, the former governor of Iowa and recent diplomat to China. So it's always, uh, there's always a lot to talk about, always good conversations, both in the lecture hall and out in the hallways.
0: Yeah, it's going to be good to be back in person again. And as I mentioned yesterday, uh, we're giving folks a chance to win a free registration to the DT and Ag Summit. And two ways you can get signed up for a chance to win, you can go to our website, go to American Ag Network and click on Adams on Agriculture. And uh, there will be a box there that you can click onto and get your name and uh, information in there. Or you can just call the number 701 237 5, That's 701 237 Get your name in and we'll draw a couple names out for free registration to the DT and Ag Summit at the Fairmont Chicago Millennium Park Hotel coming up Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'll be broadcasting from the DT and Ag Summit both Monday and Tuesday next week. All right, uh, Todd, as you're talking with folks there in Peoria, they're going to be asking you about the markets and your outlook here. We're about to go into December. How do you see this year winding up? Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately we got hit by kind of a tidal wave here the last few days again of, of
3: coronavirus concerns. So it's just uh, hard to ignore uh, the the impact of that big elephant in our markets. And it's obviously having another bearish effect here on Tuesday. But I would say overall, even before that, the soybean outlook uh, was not looking good. Uh, Prospects are are just uh, not doing well for soybeans there, which I think is the real surprise of the fall. Just two months ago, it was hard to find anything bearish about soybeans. But our exports have really been disappointing. And it looks like Brazil
0: is coming on like gangbusters. So that sounds like that's going to play out for a while, right? I mean, we've made this big turn. We went from thinking, oh, do we have enough soybeans? And now we're saying, why aren't we selling more? So how do you see that playing out?
3: Yeah. Well, uh, part of that big surprise has been uh, China's demand for soybeans. It just has not lived up to expectations this year. And unfortunately, because we don't have a lot of news coming out of that country, we, you know, we're kind of left to guess as to what's happening there. But We definitely see depressed prices for beans and meal uh, within the country of China, and I don't know if ASS is part of that or uh, what's happening. They do have a lot of economic challenges that we know about, but that's been half of the equation. And uh, then, as I mentioned, the the Brazilian crop uh, being the other half is really narrowing our window of opportunity. So uh, yeah, this should be the best time of year for us as far as getting business from China. But it's been uh, a real disappointment, and I have to say uh, that is a, a long-term problem, uh, being that this is kind of the best buying time of the year for us. And, and the, the only thing we can hold out hope for is some kind of uh, weather problem in South America. And so far, the chances of that seem kind of minor.
0: Although La Nina might indicate or make us think that they could get dry be, you know, at some point here coming up, but they're off to the good start, and China seems to be willing to bank on that.
3: Yeah, and uh, as you, that La Nina influence that you mentioned, Mike, it seems to be mainly affecting one state in Brazil right now. It's the southernmost tip, Rio Grande do Sol, and they account for about 16% of soybean production and 20% of corn. Uh, so that, that is where the crop is most vulnerable, but everywhere else so far, uh, conditions have, have been good and, and they've overall been getting the rains they need.
0: We're talking with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. All right, what about corn?
3: On corn, boy, uh, until a couple days ago, I would have said the outlook for corn is very good. But I have to admit, we, we're having a hard time every time we get near six dollars on that March contract, and we're selling off again this week. The the best news for corn has been that ethanol profit margin. It's just uh, been fantastic levels this year at ethanol cash ethanol prices really skyrocketed and I think it's been related to the the need for fuel uh, that we have in this country and once again the grains are being called on to help stretch our energy supplies. So the the ethanol profit margin has been fantastic and that's really given a boost to our cash prices across the country. Uh, Unfortunately that's taken a bit of hit here now with the uh, pandemic concerns because one of the Uh, biggest uh, outcomes of of a possible pandemic rising up again is oil or energy demand. And uh, so we've seen a sharp drop in crude oil and most energy prices, and that that drags along with it corn and soybean oil.
0: So far, it doesn't sound like you're going to have a very, uh, very happy (laughs) message for the folks here at the Peoria Farm Show. What about wheat? That's been uh, a lot of volatility there lately. Yes. And... uh, wheat has been hit in
3: this recent sell-off simply uh, because it's been the piano player at the party but as far as the pandemic goes wheat of all crops has really the least to fear from another pandemic it's just not uh so vulnerable uh the way corn and beans are and obviously it doesn't have the energy component uh that corn and bean prices do so wheat supplies are still extremely tight across the world and in the u.s that's not going to change this winter Australia is going to be harvesting the crop soon, but they've had some late uh, season issues with too much rain in the eastern part of the country. So uh, I don't think Australia is going to save us from the tight supply situation uh, anytime soon. So uh, it's still a very tough environment for end users that need to buy wheat between now and the next crop.
0: What about inflationary concerns and uh, the strength of the dollar?
3: Yeah, uh, very interesting. Those inflationary concerns disappear very quickly when crude oil drops $10. So <laughs> the, the next report's going to look a little different. And uh, you know, I, I laugh because otherwise I would cry. Is the problem the, the the pain points here uh, just seem to have no end? And obviously, the, the fear is that this new Omicron variant is going to slow down economic interaction around the world and slow down energy demand. Well, uh, and, and that's possibly true, but I don't think we can compare it in any way to the shock that we, we received in 2020. And I think we need to keep in mind that we're much more prepared to respond quickly uh, to a, a new strain Uh, I mean, the the vaccine makers are all over it. Uh, They say they can have a new vaccine within 100 days or a few months if they need it. There's already 59% of us vaccinated. There's some question as to how much protection that might have for the new uh, variant. But overall, I'm I'm concerned that in this time of uncertainty where there's a lot of things we don't know
2: about the variant,
3: the market is, is overreacting. But along with that, it's really chilled those inflation concerns uh, quite quickly.
0: Well, about the time you think you kind of have a handle on things, everything changes.
3: <laughs> you know
0: that—that's—that's that's
3: been my career uh, with commodity markets, Mike, and and uh, I think you'd probably back me up on that. You've—you've you've been at it longer than me.
0: Well, uh, as you look at all that, and we, we farmers try to, you know plan ahead. We still have the issues of acres and input costs and availability. All that's going to be a factor with those planting decisions.
3: Yeah. And and one of the concerns I have is uh, fertilizer supplies. And if we're dealing with a new variant, if that somehow gets in the way, that's not going to help those supply chain problems. And I think that's probably the biggest practical concern that we have in agriculture today. Um, So, there has been, obviously, a scramble for fertilizer already. It's hard to say how many have gotten the supplies they need, but uh, it's quite possible by the time we get to spring that not everybody uh, will be getting the fertilizer uh, that they need. You know, overall, I I think here in the U.S., we're going to mask up and keep working. But uh, it's going to be tough. It, it, it's very tough, and uh, this back, this coronavirus just keeps getting in the way, and, and that's very tough on our market.
0: Yeah, we go from uh, talking about which crop will the markets try to buy acres for, and then you get a time like this, and you say they're not trying to buy any acres right now.
3: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, right now it's, it's in a bit of a fear panic mode. But uh, you're right. Obviously, the biggest concern is for corn. I think U.S. will still stay with its corn acres. But around the world, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see less corn production outside of the U.S.
0: Interesting. Well, you'll have a lot to talk about with the folks there and at Peoria and at the Greater Peoria Farm Show. And again, look forward to seeing you next week in Chicago for the DTN Ag Summit. We'll see you there, Todd.
3: Very good. Thank you, Mike.
0: All right. Take care. Todd Holtman, DTN Lead Analyst. Again, I'll be broadcasting from the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. I'll be there Monday and Tuesday next week broadcasting. The uh, summit starts on Sunday, runs Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. If you would like free registration to that event, you can go to our website at American Ag Network, click on Adams on Agriculture, and you'll see where you can click on to uh, get your information in. Or you can simply call 701-237-5000. 701-237-5000. Give them your name and phone number and information and Uh, you'll be uh, eligible then for a drawing for free registration to the DTN Ag Summit. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, what's going on between the U.S. and China. certainly has a great impact on the markets now. And moving forward, we're going to talk about this uh, strategy being put together by the Biden administration to deal with China, what this means amid these uh, escalating uh, tensions. We'll talk about that with Dave Salminson with the American Farm Bureau Federation next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
6: What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Starr Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage.
8: An advocate for hope.
6: You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding.
0: This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership, and our guest today is Sarah Ingström, Chief Information and Security Officer at CHS. Sarah, we hear a lot these days about ransomware attacks on high-profile supply chain companies. Why do you think these bad actors are targeting those organizations?
8: We live in a world where uh, now we are surrounded by technology and many uh, smaller organizations haven't had the resources or the investments in securing uh, how people, uh, employees um, and partners connect with that technology. So unfortunately, um, now the uh, bad actors are really going after organizations who have not had that same investment profile that banks, retail organizations uh, have had over the past 10 to 20 years. And um, now we're seeing that more in manufacturing, hospitality, education, uh, and government even, um, are the ones that are in uh, those bad actors' targets.
0: So what should farmers expect then from companies that they do business with in terms of cybersecurity?
8: they should really expect that they have someone who's um, running their security organization, such as myself, don't necessarily need a chief information security officer, but certainly need someone who's accountable to security, uh, asking questions of um, others in the IT organization. And if that is outsourced to a third party and uh, companies are using a third party to manage, their infrastructure and IT services, that you've got somebody on your team that's working for your company that, again, is accountable to security and asking questions around what that IT provider is doing.
0: That's Sarah Ingstrom, Chief Information and Security Officer for CHS. Thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com.
1: Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon Spread Sense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon Spread Sense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more.
7: DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, What is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com.
0: AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers
1: and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike
0: Adams. So we've talked a lot today about the the, US-China relationship and the strategy that the Biden administration seems to be trying to implement now in in dealing with China. Let's talk about that with Dave Somlinson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. So we hear about Trade Representative Tai trying to line up allies uh, to kind of seemingly put some pressure on China. Uh, You think that's a good strategy? Is that going to be very effective? China seems to do kind of much what they want. Uh, What do you think of this approach? Well, it seems to be
5: part of a multi-pronged approach. You know, you started about two weeks ago with President Biden having that virtual summit, uh, with President Xi. Went on for, what, a couple hours, talked about a variety of issues on, uh, trade and, uh, ag trade. Uh, President Biden did talk about, uh, uh, having China and encouraging them to go forward and, you know, keep, uh, living up to their commitments in the phase one agreement. Um, wanting to uh, initiate some new discussions between the U.S. and China. And I know that um, since then, uh, U.S. Trade Representative Tai has had discussions with her counterparts and uh, people at USTR have ongoing discussions. So there is contact there at the trade level. Of course, we've also seen over the last few weeks a lot of administration officials uh, traveling especially in the uh, Indo-Pacific part of the world. I think he had Commerce Secretary Raimondo going to Japan. He had U.S. Trade Representative Tai having this India Trade Policy Forum. She went to uh, New Delhi last week. Um, so I think there's direct engagement, but there's also trying to keep the allies uh, in line, trying to encourage them to uh, do better trade, better relations uh, with the U.S., and keep them on our side as we deal with China. So. It seems to me they're trying a bunch of different measures here.
0: The tariffs remain, and we really don't know what happens in 2022 concerning the trade deal, so there's a lot of unknowns right now.
5: Well, there are. You just mentioned the tariffs. That's something I think uh, those of us in the ag and the overall business community want the uh, U.S. administration to talk about with China, try and, if we can, defuse that, back that off, get out from this uh, tariff regime we've been under the last several years um, you know we don't want that sitting over us as we go forward in a world where we don't have the purchase commitments um, and we still have to rely on uh, governments granting waivers or exclusions to keep product moving we know the impact that uh, China's buying has had on uh, prices for many US ag commodities with a positive impact that's been and uh, you know farmers want to keep those exports going so that's something we definitely uh, we think the administration needs to address. Uh, it needs to go forward in their talks on that or start talks on that.
0: All right. So we did not get in the old TPP. Uh, the Biden administration has indicated they don't want to get into the new TPP. But what if China does? Doesn't that put yeah. pressure on us at that point?
5: It's, it's, it sure does. It sure does. Uh, China... So it goes through the process and that's you know the process takes its time people will say years they have to the existing nations there you know you've got Japan Canada Australia all the other nations um, they have to agree and they have to have discussions with China but you know the US needs to be there uh, we strongly think that the uh, US needs to get back into the CPTPP we were there before we were one of the you know beginners of it drove it to an agreement we need to get back engaged uh, in that uh, regional trade agreement for a lot of reasons. You know, we had the tariff reductions, the better uh, trade standards, um, basically making this uh, you know a place for uh, the world and uh, the U.S. to uh, trade freely among a whole lot of uh, nations that are growing, um, good markets for our future, and other countries that also want to join. You've got South Korea now that wants to be in the United Kingdom, which of course. They're looking around the world for trade agreements. They've said they want to join, and of course, China wants to join, which is uh, would be a uh, a real obstacle for the U.S.
0: So, as you know, when we look at the the trade, the Phase One trade deal, um, there there's more to it obviously than just ag trade. But we focus on the ag part of it. They they bought a lot, but not as much as the deal called for. It. It just feels like China is going to buy what they think they need, whether there's a trade deal or not.
5: Well, I think that's uh, part of it. It's hard to tell what the deal pushed. They wouldn't have uh, perhaps they wouldn't have bought already. I think you look at the trade deal two ways. Two points I'll make is that one, the trade deal got us back on track. Uh, We had the disruption when the tariffs put in with our exports to China in 2018 and 2019. Starting in 2020, we've kind of got back on track. We're about where we would have been, should have been, uh, if everything had continued the way it was. And uh, so we're back in a a good place. Could it have been higher? Could they meet their commitments? They're getting closer. Uh, We'll see at the end of the year how close they get. Uh, But they're at about... 84, 85% of what they need to have bought uh, on a monthly basis so far this year. So they're getting there, a uh, better performance than last year. In um, other sectors, you mentioned, energy and manufacturing, they haven't gotten so close. Uh, they haven't bought as much as they committed to. But part of the administration is saying even though, at least in the agreement, there is an end date for the purchase commitments. At the end of December, But it still is an overall commitment. and The administration says they're going to push on having China meet their commitments, even if it takes uh, time going into the future. So we still think this agreement has a lot to offer. The standards reforms, the regulatory reforms will continue into the future that have really helped our exports, especially of animal and other products.
0: So we watch closely what happens with China in the trade deals with other countries. And, of course, we watch what happens with China and Taiwan
5: yes yeah there are there are externals as uh, they say here in dc you know we can say china's got good demand china wants to do the trade but you're dealing with a government run economy so the externals matter so taiwan hong kong human rights issues with the Uyghurs, um... all kinds of other issues in the area the competition in the south china Sea. so but something to uh, keep a strong eye on and uh, keep up the administration works on our behalf
0: All right, Dave, good to talk with you. Thank you.
5: Okay, you bet. Take care.
0: Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That wraps it up for today. Thank you for joining us. Hope you'll be with us again tomorrow, right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
6: More than 135 years
7: the editors of progressive farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions we know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms so it's available when you want it that's why we created our weekly podcast called field posts join me sarah mock each week as i interview agriculture top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our
6: website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts.